Welcome again to The Fowler Effect. I am your host, Michael Fowler. And today we're going to be talking about uh, a group of things, but mainly um, some different uh, ways to look at each belt, or almost uh, as if maybe a certain etiquette or uh, mindset for each, uh, each level. And we'll work our way up. And some apply to all, and some just apply to the belt. And, uh, and just you know, personal experience from, you know, myself and also what I've witnessed uh, coming up through the ranks. And um, going all the way to the beginning, if if it's me and I'm talking to someone about, ju- you know, jujitsu and they've never done it and they are interested, I always tell them to, you know, find out all the academies in their area and then pick, you know, go to each one. Don't just don't just you know pick one and then just decide that all right this is where I'll go. Um, it might be a great gym and that might be the one you finally go to, but definitely you you should try all of them out um, because a big part of it depends on uh, you know why are you training? Um, are you looking to compete? Uh, are you looking for self defense? Are you looking to lose weight? Um, you know whatever the reason may be, maybe it's the social aspect. Um, you got to make sure that the academy you choose also falls in line with that, uh, because a, a big I feel that, that camaraderie is a huge part of jujitsu in the academies, and sometimes uh, I get the feeling that some people I talk to they really love the academy that they're at, but they're not learning or really progressing at a rate that they think is proper, and it you know it might be it's not a right fit for you you know you. Are you paying for friendship or are you paying for instruction? And you got to think about, you know, what are your real, you know, real reasons for training? And like for me personally, you know, now and my reasons have changed. Now I, you know, at first I started because I love competition and uh, now it's more, it keeps me in great shape and it's like the only fun exercise I like to do. Um, but Another thing you should also look for when you go to check out gyms, uh, or at least is also find out, um, do they have a curriculum? Now, there's plenty of great academies that probably can't produce anything and show you any curriculum. Um, and I've been to those academies, and uh, they, are, they are good. But there's, I find if, there's, if you don't have any previous direction, if you don't already understand, um, you know, not everyone's good at teaching, in essence. And um, I remember Roddy Ferguson, uh, who's a judo Olympian. Um, he had mentioned one time that you know if you can walk into an academy and ask to see a curriculum and they can't produce anything, you should walk out. He's like, that's the wrong place for you. And um, I always, you know, I've been to academies that I felt were great and. If I have the ability to, you know, give a word of advice, I always try to tell them to make sure that they do have a curriculum. And what I mean by that is, you know, uh, if from a student standpoint, a lot of academies, you know, you'll go to, they uh, will show multiple techniques in a night. Sometimes they don't go together. Sometimes they do. And then the next night you're going to be learning some totally new moves. And it's just kind of just, it's like, little sparklers fast burning and it's just a lot in your face for them you know it's and it's cool but there's nothing real you know there's no long lasting from those 
those te- you know not the, those techniques like you don't really get any time to work on any one specific thing or you know really learn something and understand why you're doing it and so like imagine a curriculum could be designed for all kind of things depending on the purpose or what kind of academy or what kind of class it is um, maybe let's say how long would you say uh, the average blue belt takes in my mind I think the average blue belt takes about two years um, you know of course there's people faster people longer but I think two years is good uh, with you know steady training and you know what are the techniques you think someone should know to be a blue belt and now if it takes two years and you know you have X amount of techniques now over that two years or 24 months you are going to you know lay out these techniques and put them in an order and and a repeating pattern and, and an effort to make sure that someone understands and has that and has these techniques within that two-year time frame that way they should know exactly you know what you think they should know um, you know and of course that's a huge effort because um, you know that's a lot of planning and a lot of uh, you know and if you don't understand you know how to, to really map classes out and, and implement those game plans it can be pretty overwhelming um, but uh, there is a way to do it, and if anyone does have questions, you're more than uh, more than. Uh, what do you, you? I I'll take any questions. Whatever. So anyway, moving on. So now all these things, uh, you know, you should look at, you know, as far as uh, not like I said, this is people just checking out a gym in the beginning, but it's also if you're already at a gym, if you're already in this situation, uh, not telling you just to start gym hopping by any means, but um, but you also need to make sure that you're you know what it's best for you what are you what are you trying to get out of this uh out of this experience um and also being said that i also think it's really important that you stick to one coach in the beginning uh too many people i feel try to dictate their own training like like not you not to be me like there's somebody special and they uh you know they just try to go where you know they feel they, they try to learn what they feel they need to learn to be and then um and that's a not a very good way to go about things. Not that you can't get good that way, but you know, there's a, it's, it just has a, a different, a different, I guess, air about it. You can, there's no real, I guess it, it caps out at a, at a, after a while. Like it doesn't allow you to keep, to grow. Um, now some people have no choice uh, and, but, and have to, you know, do that kind of sporadic training. And, it's, that's why it's even more important that you know you have these goals and like whether you're doing a curriculum for yourself or for your, a class uh, that really help you know just you know can make sure your training will always for, you know keep progressing and further like in reach in you know, reaching goals and don't just let it just uh, you know like I said if you leave it to your own accord and just keep hopping around with no real plan it's uh, it's not gonna work out and the reason I say it's important to just stick to one coach in the beginning is because before you really understand anything, you, you need someone to kind of hammer in the basics to you just to give you an idea. Even though it is a personal opinion, you could say, like it's, it is their viewpoint of jujitsu. And you have to keep an open mind of that. Like the techniques that you're being taught right now are ones that this person was taught that they have made work for them. And this is their own twist. And uh, it might be you know, taught in a fashion that is good for everyone or something like that. But there are times for me personally, when I show a technique, I show like a generic, 
you know, all around basic version. And then I have to teach these other little tweaks, these other little turns and what I like to do because, you know, some of it goes off that, you know, doesn't really follow that same, uh, you know, I guess, you, you know, basic armbar set. But that's just what works for my body. And I try to also, you know, when I share, I try to make sure I, I cover as much ground as I can. But, you know, but I am limited to my, my ability as far as uh, what I'm able and capable to do. So now, because the belts in jiu-jitsu aren't guaranteed, um, you know, white, blue, purple, brown, black, they're, it's not like you just attend a karate school or a taekwondo school and not knock any of them. But if you do pay your dues, you will get your belts. And, um, you know, you have tiny kids running around with little black belts on, and it doesn't really, I feel like it's almost a little bit of a mockery. Um, you know, I think there needs to be a certain age of understanding to, you know, really respect that belt. But, um, you know, everyone, and there are those who excel at all these arts, and I, and I love the traditional martial arts. But for jiu-jitsu, a lot of times that blue belt becomes the black belt. And a lot of people quit after that belt because they, that was the goal. That was all they had in their sights was that blue belt. And that's really no way to, no way to train. Um, you know, it just takes the focus off of what you're trying to do. And the whole idea is, are you just looking for a belt or are you looking to do jiu-jitsu? Because if you're going to do jiu-jitsu, that's lifelong. And it doesn't matter. I don't care if I'm, you know, if I meet up with someone to train and I forget my belt, it's not going to stop me from training. And even if I wore a different color one, it's not going to stop me from training. I have an ability and understanding of jujitsu that you can't take away from me and no belt can represent. And so I wasn't ever going to leave jujitsu. Now I just happen to wear a black belt, but I don't get any more belts. You know, if I'm lucky, I might get, uh, you know, like a red and black or get blessed somewhere down the line with one of these cool looking coral belts. But that doesn't matter. Those are just, they're cool looking, but they don't, you know, they don't necessarily mean anything besides, you know, time in the game. And, uh, you know, the, the belt only represents, you know, as much as we make it, you know, you have the respect for people, but you can already see that there's different levels of black belt. Like if you've, if you've had interaction with any black belts, you know, there's different levels to that. And, you know, that belt, does, it, then it's not really a real representation of them. And the stripes don't represent your ability. They represent, you know, time in teaching. You know, those represent, you know, each degree is how long you've been, you spent teaching at black belt. And I think that gets lost sometimes. Like, you know, uh, it's not just time as a black belt, time teaching as a black belt. And uh, so going back to the blue... A lot of people, like I said, they kind of fall off at that blue belt, and you know, just make sure you don't get lost inside. You know, don't get don't get lost in the the with the belt in like this this blinded sight. And I, I'm gonna give a personal story as well, um, just because it's too good not to share. But when I was blue belt and I had joined uh, over, or I was already a, um, I had just got my blue and I had just moved over to Lloyd's, and uh, in Maryland. And there was a guy at the gym who was a blue belt as well. And he was by far the best person in the gym. And he was a great deal bigger than me, um, just as far as frame and taller and just, just a bigger guy. But he was legit just really good. And uh, he would beat the mess out of me just like everybody else in the gym. And I only had limited contact with him really um, as far as uh, 
the interaction with him is how much with he was in the gym. But I would hear stories about him. And uh, so, I, you know, I would hear just mean things. Like he, I heard one time he was in the elevator with someone and he looked over at them and was like, you know, if you ever tap me, I'd quit jujitsu. And it's like, damn, that's rough. Like, that's fucked up. You know, you just say the most jacked up things to people. And um, just really, you know, he wasn't liked among the gym. And, you know, that, that you know, that's where, I, you know, number one, it's just important to, you know, try to treat everyone in your academy with respect. Because if you're the only two that show up one day, you ain't doing jujitsu unless you two do it together. And if there's not that respect, you know, it's not going to, it won't last. And so it's important that, you know, you take in consideration, maybe it's your time to teach. Maybe this time it's not your time to roll. Maybe it's not your time to beat up someone. Maybe it's your time to be the nail. Maybe it's your time to help this person along or whatever it may be. So we continued training and uh, he would always get the best of me. He was still beating me up. And it took a while for me to really find my stride in jiu-jitsu. Like I wasn't, uh, I wasn't awesome by any means in the beginning. Um, I had some false illusions of grandeur, a shorter story, a, a little interjection in this story. Uh, for the 2003 or 2002 Pan Ams, I remember I was, I thought I was, you know, I was moving to Lloyd's and I was going to do, I was going to just go, you know, I won the last tournament I was in uh, and my first tournament as a blue, I, uh, I didn't do so good. I won like one match. So I don't know where these visions of grandeur are coming from, but I thought I was just going to just kill it at the Pan Ams. And so I showed up and first match, this guy grabs me and does like a super, I thought it was a flying arm bar. He didn't fly. He just pulled real fast and it was a uh, just a sitting armbar within like 30 seconds and just and I remember telling I remember telling myself too I'm not gonna tap I'm not gonna tap I'm not gonna tap and I remember he got my arm and I was like I'm not gonna tap and then he finally it popped and I was like ah, then I tapped and I was like why did I just tap earlier <laughs> I remember just being you know just a silly experience and uh, so by no means was I any I was was I doing any good yet but I did start to finally find my stride and so as me and this other guy would train it went from him beating the mess out of me and tapping me all the time to where he would tap me less and less to where now he can't tap me not that he can't tap me he just wasn't tapping me and I remember just a freak freak fluke out of out of nowhere um I remember I caught him in a knee bar and uh you know back in those days like everything was cool and it was just real accident memory, and he tapped to it, and I know he did not like it, and so I just wasn't sure, you know, I was like, did I really catch that? It was just by accident, and so the next time we had met up to train, um, and this was all, you know, all these classes were gee, by the way, so we were doing this drill where we were, like, holding on to the sleeves and playing, like, open guard, spider guard. And one of the drills was I had to have my feet on his hips. He was sitting on his knees. If you can imagine you're playing guard, person on top is sitting on their knees. I'm on the bottom. Both of my feet are on their hips. I have both sleeves in my hands, and I'm using my knees, shin area to, like, push out at their elbows. So kind of, like, flaring their, their elbows out, almost like a butterfly guard off the hips. And we were doing a drill from there, and I remember uh, as we were doing the drill that he couldn't pass. He couldn't do anything from it. And after we sat there for a long enough time, Lloyd just said, all right, just go ahead and roll. Just go ahead and do your thing. And so I, uh, I just continued to hold on to those grips. 
And I remember the guy getting more frustrated and more frustrated and more frustrated. And like you could see it until he finally just bit straight down. Now, mind you, like I said, we're wearing the geese and I have his sleeves and he's so and I have my feet on his hips and my my legs are open. So my shins are into his elbows. So like flared out. I'm in butterfly style. So you can imagine he bit straight down and uh, he caught just a little bit right on the side of you know what. And I remember just like, what? And I just kicked him off with since my feet were on his hips and I, that didn't help because his teeth dragged and uh you know, through the gi and everything, and just, I kicked him off, and I'm just like, now I'm freaking out, and luckily all the kids left at that time, and I'm just, and I remember uh, uh, Donnie at the time, the, the head kids instructor, he's like, hey, hey, you know, calm down, and I'm like, he just bit my fucking dick, and he's like, oh, never mind, and I just remember banging into the walls down the hallway, trying to get my gi top off, and I remember I, I love double weaves, I still wear double weaves, and I had this Atama, this thick black Atama double weave on that I couldn't get off because it was just so fucking, it was all sweaty and I was just freaking out. And so I finally, I get into the, the locker room and I get the gi top off and I check myself out. And it's not bad. It's just a little cut on the side, just, you know, but enough to like, what the hell was that? Like, and uh, so Lloyd comes in and he's like, you know, what happened? And I explain it to him and he's like, you need to go to the hospital. And I'm like, no, I don't. And he's like, he's like, no, go. And so he makes that guy drive me to the hospital. So what an awkward car ride that is. And like we get halfway there and I'm like, man, you know what? Just turn around. And so I made him turn, turn around and take me back. And so I get back to the gym and I go into the, I go into the locker room and I get in change. And then uh, Lloyd runs back in. He's like, I thought I told you to go to the hospital. And I was like, I'm not going for And he's like, no. And so he drove me. And so he drove me back to the hospital and I walked into the emergency room and I'd never been to the emergency room before. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know that I had to go tell the reason why I'm there. And so now there's these two elderly black ladies sitting at the desk and uh, they're asking why I'm there. And I'm trying my best to explain to these women why, I, you know, what jujitsu is and why I... And before I can even, you know, because there's no way to say it fun, like a no one nice way to say it, Lloyd runs in directly behind me and is like, another man bit him in the genitalia, and, and then immediately leaves. And so I'm just stuck with like, just, you know, baffled, like, embarrassed look on my face, like, and Lloyd is busy calling and telling everyone that he knows. And so I'm like, oh my God. So I'm sitting in the emergency room, and it's late, at, it's, you know, it's, it's already, what, like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And, uh, by the time I get seen, uh, you know, the nurse takes me back there and she just immediately leaves and the doctor comes in and, uh, he takes his quick look and he just says, how oh, you're fine. You know, just, he gives me like this little iodine. He's like, you know, the nurse will come in. And so the nurse comes in this, uh, this, this, uh, this lady and she, uh, she looks at me and she's like, listen, I live alone and you're the last patient of the night, and this is not the last thing that I want to see in the, before I leave. So, so she's like, if you don't mind, I'm going to tell you how to do it. And I was like, oh, thank you so much, ma'am. I appreciate it. And so uh, that was the end of that. So went back to the, to the gym, you know, as, as uh, you know, the next day or whatever. And Lloyd asked me, you know, what do we do with this guy? You know, do you want to kick him out? Do, you know, what's, what do you, it's up to you. And even though I'd, 
I don't feel like he bit me there on purpose. I felt like he bit me out of frustration. I don't feel like he bit me, you know, I don't think that was the aim. And, um, and just, I mean, me, I, I try to find the good in everyone. And uh, I was like, no, we can't kick him out. I was like, that's not. And uh, Lloyd's like, you know, so he had to wear a mouthpiece from now on. And, and, you know, there was like some other little stipulations, like, you know, just Lloyd had to be present. But uh, he, you know, you know, as far as, I don't know if that was my sacrifice or not, but he became, like he said, he was the one of the worst dudes in the gym. Nobody liked him. And after that point, I don't know if that just put him in check or like the, you know, just the, his, you know, him reaching that own level with himself and then having, you know, to look at himself, you know, what have I done? Uh, but he became the nicest person. And I remember the following Pan Ams was coming up and he had offered to pay for my hotel and, um, you know, just take care of all kind of anything I need. You know, it was like almost like, are you being fake? And like it was so, you know what I mean? It was just over the top. But he really did from that point on just became the best guy of all time. Um, you know, just at least, you know, with our interaction with him at the gym and within the other interaction that, you know, I really hear outside, uh, you know, I had a friend who started, a, you know, one of the jujitsu clothing businesses and, and he was the guy to help fund it. And it was like, you know, you just, you know, helping anyone he could, you know, and not saying that, that that's by any means because of me, but, you know, there was... There was a good, there was a good dude there with some other, some other issues, and and uh, you know, glad that even though jujitsu brought it out, it, it it also allowed him to continue that that healing and become a better person. And so, uh, the main point of like tying that story to while saying it is, I had a, a real envy, and this is where it kind of gets in. So you know, we continued to train, and we're now at this training point. We're now we're, we're good partners for each other. Um, but I felt now I'm starting to find my stride. I won the, the, the Pan Ams that we went to and, uh, I, and I was, um, just, you know, really on a good tear now. Now, like I was just like, I, you know, I, I felt unstoppable, but like I had reason this time. And I remember in class, uh, Lloyd pulled out a purple belt and in my mind, like, like, I'm the best dude in the gym. Like, I won the Pan Ams. Like, you know, James isn't beating me anymore. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing so much. Beep. And I remember Lloyd, uh, one class, pulling out a purple belt. And I remember... You know, that's that. I was like, that belt's going to be for me. I was so excited. And then he called that other guy's name. And I was like, what? Like, in my mind, I was just so hurt. I'm like, no way. I deserve that thing. I just won the Pan Ams. I earned, you know, I'm the one who's doing real good right now. And I remember just, you know, being all, you know, overly butthurt. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it showed in my face. But it was just for no reason. And, uh... You know, like, you know, other than just my own, like, you know, other than, you know, focusing on the belt. And, uh, you know, it for me at that point, you know, like I said, the, the focus was wrong. You know, like I said, you know, the focus should never be on the belt. Like, I wasn't going anywhere. I'm still going to do jujitsu. And you, sh you need to let those belts come as your instructor feels you are ready. Um, you know, everything in its time and, uh, and you know, in, in, in essence, the right moment. And as long as you focus on you and you getting that better at that training, those belts will come. And you always need to make sure that that goal is black belt. Don't set a goal for blue. Don't set a goal for purple or brown. 
they can be like in essence like a short term goal, but you know the goal is black belt, and if your if your goal is black belt, you're gonna get the blue, the purple, the brown. But you know you're gonna you have to go through the uh, that that just that whole process, and you know going to also now going off on a you know off my off my story of of me getting jealous on a belt. I remember um, even though even using. Uh, like my own personal experience with some of my own students, where I had a guy training with me, and uh, just he was awesome guy, like really you know just like like teddy bear of a man, and uh, I remember you know one time training he had his little anger you know his little mean streaks every once in a while, but it was like you know like whoa you know was the, did you see the fire in your eyes right now what was that you know and we it was nothing uh, you know he was still like he was a, a great student and. I remember um, it was getting time to where, you know, he'd been training for a while and he was getting close to his promotion and I was going to um, promote him. Um, but there was also another guy in the gym who had been training, uh, you know, even longer and, you know, who was even more deserving and he hadn't been there for a while and he had finally started to show back up and he was supposed to get promoted earlier. Like he didn't need to prove anything else. He just needed to show up really to get his belt. And I in my mind, I didn't want to mix these promotions. I wasn't going to, like, you know, take a, I wanted the the other guy, the 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 one who, had, you know, like I said, the, the teddy bear. I wanted him to get his belt all by himself so he could have that, that day in that class by himself. And, uh, you know, he had earned it. And so I uh, didn't promote him. I promoted this other guy to Blue Belt. And... Um, so the, uh, you know, class went on, everything ended, and then the next day, and then, so the next day that I knew the other guy was going to come in to train, I was going to, getting ready to promote him, and uh, it might even been the next day, I don't remember, um, but I had, you know, the belt ready, like, all right, here we go again, and didn't show up, and come to find out, he quit the gym, because he didn't get promoted when he felt he deserved to be promoted, he went out to where looking for his belt. And I'm pretty sure he found it, but it's like, man, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad we sorted that out real quick. You know, I mean, like that's, you know, one little upset when you think you're supposed to get promoted and you're already split out. You know, that's real, you know, to me, it just that uh, that says a little bit more about your character at that, at that time. You know, uh, you know, that's not it just it seemed very flaky, like you're you, you left, uh, you know, you're not the one who decides your belt. And if anything, I feel you would come at least say something to me before you just disappeared. Um, but, uh, you know, so like I said, don't get lost and in, in, in focus on these belts. Uh, they really, you know, they you can get it can take you off track of as far as like, you know, trying to learn what jujitsu is about. And um now the upper belts. Well, let's, let's we'll stick to the, we'll go with another subject that kind of goes along with this, but it's not really necessarily uh, a universal opinion. I would say, uh, I think it's more. Um, I'm not the only one, but I've heard other people that follow, you know kind of go by that system as well. And um, for my white belts, I don't mind striping them. I you know I like giving them rewards as far as they they showing you know because it, it it helps motivate because they're new they don't you know it's still you're still trying to learn what the art is and so I feel the stripes are really good motivators and I like having that that almost ranking in essence where I have 
uh, you know, my four stripe, who's uh, you're, man, you're the one, you're going to lead warm up. You're going to, you know, you, he's starting to like take a position in the gym in essence. And then when he gets the blue, it's the next one's job to start taking command and start becoming almost like this, like many leadership roles uh, as you go up in the belts. <clears throat> but once you get blue and you're there and the purple, brown, black, you, you know, no more stripes. And reason being is because for the white belts, you only get four stripes. And do they signify time frame? Like quarter, half, three quarter, done. So someone who has, you know, two stripes, in essence, is halfway to their blue belt. But does that mean they did two cool things? They do four cool things? Are they limited to four cool things and then you have to get a blue? Like what is the premise of a stripe exactly? Like why are you earning it? Because I feel like, you know, it just gets time frame and like, and what it represents, like, you know, I feel like you should be able to earn more stripes. Like, if you, maybe you do a lot of stuff. And, like, you, there's a lot of moments in your white belt, like, where it says, but it's just, it's, or, you know, do, it's just a weird thing. So, like, with my white belts, I try to, you know, mix it and balance it somehow. And let, I try to explain why they're getting that stripe. Um, and, you know, not to also let them get lost. I was like, you know, and not just telling them this at that time, but what I tell, you know, my students, you know, and, and, just so they get the, the understanding is like, you know, you don't need to be at a certain, you know, four stripe to get promoted. You got, you can get promoted off of having no stripes or two stripes or, you know, it just, you know, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason for your path. The stripes are just there for motivation and don't get lost in those either. Because what happens I found at blue, purple and brown is, and I feel this is why Lloyd didn't do it as well was the, the stripes will sometimes, you know, cause some mental distress where uh, if you are a four-stripe purple belt, then that means brown is next. You're right there. And now, let's say a one-stripe purple shows up somewhere and taps you. This brand-new one-stripe purple belt tapped me, and I'm almost a brown belt. Like, you know, it, it can... People, like, they, you know, they let that stuff go to heart when it's like, no, you both purple belts. And it doesn't matter. You're going to... You're, you're eventually, you know, you're going to get tapped by somebody. And it doesn't matter their belt level. It's just the who, you know, that, you know, I remember when I, after I got my black belt, I got, I slipped up and got ankle locked by one of our white belts, like within a week. And I was like, what? I just got my black belt and I'm getting tapped by our white belts. But I mean, it, you know, it, you know, it taught me a lesson in, high, you know, being more mindful of my feet, but it was like, it still happens and it doesn't, you know, it, it means nothing. If anything, everything, all those, all those taps, like I said, they're learning experiences. And so, um, now besides the like normal stuff, like slamming or whatnot, there's some other things I've noticed when I travel around and I do these seminars and, uh, this is maybe more personal rather than like something, um, people can really like relate to, but you can definitely be more mindful of it and especially witnessing it yourself. Um, so what happens I've noticed and I'll go with like, you know, there's been different belts where something's always happened. Um, and uh, it, it, you know, not that they don't represent belt level. They just represent, you know, each belt just had an incident I've had to like, you know, not had to do something, but it was just one that stuck out. And so at Blue Belt, I was doing a seminar one time and uh, uh I was, you know, I rolled with this blue belt and he was like the up and coming young gun of the gym, like really nice kid. Like it was, you know, uh, 
and very athletic, and he was a he was a big kid. And uh, while he's uh, rolling, he's going ballistic, and you know, just you know, really like he's you know, he wants he wants like he's a young dude. He's got he wants blood. He's trying to he's trying to get me. And uh, I had already tapped him a few times, and I remember uh, he. I had his back or had almost had a back position on him. And when I was setting up the choke, he went for a wrist lock, not one where you bend the wrist forward um, and collapse the hand on itself, the one where you push the hand backwards. And he didn't do it in a manner of grabbing my hand and, uh, you know, pushing back and, you know, going for a tap. He swung his hand back like he was going with the intent, like if he would have caught it, he would have like broke something or tore something. And um, I mean, it was just done with such viciousness with no room for me to tap if I would have gotten caught. Luckily, I felt it a little bit before it came and I was able to just in a nick of time get my hand halfway out. Like he still got my wrist backwards, but he didn't get the full extent of what he was trying to do. And so I put him in a choke and I held on to it and he tapped. And when he tapped, I continued to hold on to it and I continued to hold on to it until we got that little bit of a panic response. And then I let go because I wasn't going to put him to sleep at, at my seminar while we're, you know, at the end of our all training, but I did need to show him something. So he got up and he was huffing and puffing and, you know, walking back and forth. You know, you could tell he was pissed off. And I was like, man, come back down here so we can talk for a second. And I was like, do you know what just happened? And he was just, you know, you could just see he was still pissed. And I explained to him, I was like, man, listen, when I had you in that position, I was like, and you went for my wrist? I was like, you went to break my wrist. I was like, you didn't even give me a chance to tap. Like, not a nothing. Like, you didn't have no regard. I was like, I'm a guest in your gym, dude. Like, why would you do that? Why would you go so, you know, just viciously on that wrist lock? I was like, and you didn't, I was like, and there was, like I said, there was no chance to tap. You had no control in that situation. And... Then I put you in a choke. And when you tapped, I chose not to let go. I had full control of that situation. And I chose to, you, to show you that I didn't, I'm not going to let go right now. And that was to show, you know, what, what, you know, the control versus no control is, you know. And I was like, and you walk away and you're fine. You know what I mean? I made sure I kept your best interest in. I was like, I may have held on the choke a little longer. I was like, but you're not hurt. I didn't do anything that, you know, you know, we have an understanding now. I was like, but you would have, you know, you would have broke my wrist and there would have been what? Oops, accident. So, you know, you really got to be mindful of some of these techniques that you, especially I find people do these with ankle locks. And that's actually my next story. But, uh, you know, you go so viciously for these ankles. And I tell people now uh, when we roll ahead of time that I've got sensitive ankles. And if you go for my feet, I'm going for yours. And I am going to win. That means I don't, I'm not going for a tap. I'm going to make you stop. You, if you tap, of course I'm going to let go. But I'm not going with the intent of you saying tap. Just how like, you know, it's people are too vicious on these ankles. And so I've rolled with guys like Ryan Hall and Eddie Cummings who are amazing footlock artists who show respect to your feet. And it's wonderful. I don't care if you catch me in all these leg locks. Just don't destroy my legs so I don't, you know, I can't do anything and I can't, you know, support myself, survive. Like people go with such, you know, vicious intent, especially with toe holds, heel hooks, wrist locks. And, you know, it's just 
people need to be mindful. Like, you know, don't let your ego like destroy someone else's, you know, life for a little bit. Like let them still be able to support themselves. And so um, it was actually at the same gym. I was rolling with a purple belt. And uh, again, great guy. But when I was in my position and I had his back, um, everyone knows you don't cross your ankles. You know, someone crosses your ankles, you cross, they cross over yours, and you're going to break both your ankles. Well, I don't cross my ankles, nor do my feet do very well even uncrossed. So I don't even like the back. But I had the position and I, just, you know, I wasn't going very hard, like I wasn't looking for blood. And I'll just play all positions. But I just don't like the back because I have sensitive feet, like I already said. And uh, I felt this guy trying to step over my foot in order to do that ankle pop, you know, as far as the, you know, like the ankle break position. And I felt him trying to do it. And I wasn't going to give up the back just yet, but I was going to give him enough of my foot for him to engage, but not enough of him for, to really take hold and catch my, you know, catch my foot. And as soon as I gave that little bit of bait, I pulled my foot out right away. But as soon as I gave that little bit of bait, he bucked his hip ridiculously hard. And I didn't do anything because like I didn't know really how to approach that situation. He was a big boy. Like I don't know how to I don't know how to like teach a lesson in this one without like getting jacked up. Um just because of the position we're in. And uh and so I really didn't say anything to him because like you know, there was no damage done. And I didn't he didn't in essence like really do anything wrong. So I'm not, you know, I mean, there was no real thing I could tell him, but it's like, if I could sit him down and be like, yo, what was that? Like, were you just really trying to break my ankle just now? Like, like, what was that? Like, you know, I don't, and maybe that's what I should have done, but I just ended up saying nothing. I really didn't know how to approach it. And actually, and then the blue belt was immediately after. And by that time I was just fed up. So I, I did something. Um, and it was just, you know. If, you know, again, being mindful of, of certain submissions and like, you know, is it worth it to your ego? Like maybe it is to some people. I don't know. So, you know, even sticking with uh, some personal stories from my own students, um, you know, I've had one where, you know, my first experience when I met him, um, you know, he had already was already a blue belt and he was just ridiculously like explosive. And it didn't matter who the partner was. And like the first time I saw him, I think it was with a school teacher. And she was, you know, not a, she was like a little itty bitty thing. And he just whipped her from an arm drag to like a rear naked so fast. And as soon as she tapped, she turned around and slapped him. And like, it was like, well-deserved. Like, it was just like, whoa, like, what was that? Like, was it necessary to go that hard on her? Like, you know, it just, it kind of blew my mind and shocked me. And it became like, I started to notice it would become a habit. Like it wasn't all the time that he would roll with women, but whenever it would be a woman, white belt, even a 13 year old kid, he would just get so aggressive. And so like, I remember we were rolling one time and he would stop or he would always like, or almost like give up in a position. And I'm like, no man, you just got to keep going. You got to, you can't give up. Just go hard. Like when we roll, like I told him like, don't be afraid to go hard. Like, you know, don't stop. Like just go, like, don't give any pauses between any of your positions. And so you'll tell him this advice and then you'll see like, it'll just be like one like hard, like hip pow, like these like almost like a jerk movement. Like, yo, what was, what was that? He's like, I'm going hard. Like you told me to like, no, that's not exactly what I meant by that. Like, you know, not in an asshole fashion. I just meant like, don't stop, like not be a jerk and start, you know, like using your hips or your shoulder to butt people. And like, it was just. 
he would always like try to twist whatever coaching you would say to best fit his like bully tactics. And it just, and I don't mind, like I enjoy those kind of roles, but you know, when you have an issue with me, when you have an issue with that guy, when you have an issue with that guy, her, her, and it's like, maybe it's not them, maybe it's you and you need to take a look at how you roll with people. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's not that, you know, it, everyone in essence, you gotta, you, you gotta learn what you can do with certain people. Like, and I don't care if, uh, you know, you're rolling at the, you know, there's just certain techniques you just, you know, depending on age and whatnot, like, man, I'm not gonna, if you're 40 plus and uh, I know you got a job and you're working, you're not like a competitive dude, I'm not gonna blast your legs and heel hooks in any of these weird positions. I'm gonna give you a fun roll that you can go home and eat dinner and not feel so sore about the next day. And um, now, you know, your ego gets in the way with that. And that's where, like, even my own self, I've had to, you know, play with my ego in essence, like, you know, where, how hard do I want to push it? Um, there, one of my uh, black belts, and I feel weird calling him my black belt because he's so good. And it was just, I had the honor of promoting him to black, but he was already just an amazing athlete and practitioner before I met the young man. And so Christian Lee... Um, who is a, a amazing fighter for one fighting championships? Uh, I was when I got first contacted to 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 train with him. I remember you know um, not really thinking too much of him. Like I'd heard ah seventeen year old or eighteen year old kid trying to fight MMA. Whatever, I'll go I'll go do some rounds with him. And he whipped the mess out of me. And so I remember I just learned, I was like, okay, this ain't no joke. I'm going to have to be on my diet. I, I fully changed up my lifestyle, which was a great, it was a blessing for me in disguise because I cleaned up my lifestyle to help. He was so awesome and such a great kid. It's like, I want to help him out as much as I can. And if I get in better shape and I can help him better, that's worth it. And, uh, you know, not even for myself, it's like, which was, that would be the better reason, I guess. But I was just so motivated by him to get myself in shape so I could be a better partner for him. But he is, uh, you know, he's already fought for the title and, you know, he fought an amazing fight, losing only by a decision and uh, just awesome, awesome, awesome contender. And he will not give up. And of course, he's not going to. That's why he's got that's why he's a champion. He's got a, that mentality. And one of my favorite moves is the topside Kimura, like, a, you know, doing the straight arm. And uh, and it doesn't matter what arm lock I get, this kid don't tap now if you talk about what an arm bar really is as far as you know you don't go with the intent of letting someone tap you go with the intent of breaking their arm in real as far as realistically what it is we do it with respect now of course so we can train but when i go for an arm lock on him i go for the point where he's good you know i've got to make him tap not hurt his arm but the fight he gives the power he's got in his arm that of his resisting is so strong that the only way I'm going to make him tap is if I just, you know, like just put all my force into it and really cause it a tap. But then now that's going to hurt him. And now who's the asshole? It's me. Now like my ego just got him hurt because I wanted to make sure he tapped. And he's not going to tap. It's not going to go to that point. It's just going to be, he don't tap, he don't tap, it's hurt. And whose fault is it? Is it this kid who has a, a, a dream right now to become a champion, who has a, who's not giving up? Or is it my fault, who has no desire to do what he's doing, but just 
want to be better and I've got to show him who's boss right now. And so, no, I don't tap him on that. So same goes for his feet. If I get him in ankle locks, he ain't tapping to those either. And so, again, the now that's another thing. I'm not going to hurt him and, and, and risk his, his fighting career for my ego. So the only thing I'm left with really is chokes, then which is at least the only thing I can get him in that's not going to hurt him. He's, you know, he will tap or he'll go to sleep. Like there's no, like there's no long-lasting, you know, battle. He doesn't, and he doesn't go to sleep. You know, he'll tap the rare times I catch him in a choke. But, you know, it really made me switch up my game when I trained with him. Like, not that I wouldn't go for arm locks, but it's like I can't, if I want to finish him and I want to, you know, I, I'm going to have to go for his neck. I've got to get that, you know, that's the only, that's the only thing that's like safely going to allow me to, to win. <clears throat> so... Going back and you know uh, uh, to the as far as the whole topic of the the respect and the etiquette at each belt and from my own personal experience, you know these are things you can just you know keep in mind while you know either looking for a gym or uh, you know at the gym you currently at because you really have to look and make especially like I said your reasons for training because. Uh, if you know you're looking more for self-defense, but you're you've joined up at a gym that does you know all the IBJJF and Naga tournaments, and you know then there those are two not that you can't learn good jujitsu there, but it's geared towards something else. Like you might learn some techniques that are probably going to get you hurt in a real life situation if you used it in self-defense. Um, you know, in sport it's great, but you know there's certain things you just uh, you you know wouldn't risk. Um, and now actually, you know what, there was actually one more, uh, story I remember as far as, um, you know, coming up where the belt, I remember as far as looking at it and it's a, it's a, it's a good, um, I mean, it just, it was some good words from, uh, you know, an old training partner. And I remember, uh, at Lloyd's, there was a purple belt named Isaac and I don't remember where purple, where he came from. I think he came from like, it might've been Jacare, uh, from in Atlanta, don't remember hundred, you know, off the top of my head, but this dude was phenomenal, and his move was the triangle. Um, you know, he was just he would just dominate always with the triangle. And I remember um, one year at the Pan Ams, uh, he, um, I just thought he was gonna win. I remember he, he ended up losing his match, but in my mind, you know, he was that good at the. And I didn't have like a. a a skewed sense of of who was who like you know i was like he legitimately i thought was gonna win um but it didn't work out that way but anyway i was a blue he was a purple and i remember we were training one time and uh at some point in the role i don't know if he'd swept me and got to mount and i remember i escaped and i had swept him back and i was working in you know in his guard and his triangle was nasty and he ended up catching it and I remember I was, again, I was on a good tear and it just really upset me that this dude who doesn't compete and, you know, who, someone I, who I feel I should be better than um, as, a, as far as, you know, him being, you know, purple and me being blue. Like, you know, I didn't think like he should be able to beat me. Um, <clears throat> but it just, you know, like I said, it put me to tears. Like I was so just upset and just, you know, I like kind of like stormed off the mat and went in the back by myself and just kind of sat in a chair and, you know, was just sitting all moping. And um, I remember just being so upset with myself, like, you know, just, you know, questioning all my jujitsu and everything else. 
And he came back there and he found me. And I remember he was, uh, you know, like, man, like, he's like, what are you upset about? And I was like, you triangled me. And he's like, well, Mike, don't forget. He's like, right now, he's like, you know, I'm a purple and you're a blue. I'm supposed to win. He's like, but don't, you know, he's like, and the triangle's my move. He's like, you're not the only person I've caught in that thing. And he's like, but look at the other points. He's like, man, right in the beginning, he's like, you know, I, I tried to mount you. And, you know, I got, you know, as soon as I got the mount, you, or as soon as I got the mount, you escaped. He's like, you know, he's like, as a blue, you escaped my mount as a purple. He's like, you know what I mean? Like, look at the positive. He's like, and then you swept me. He's like, and, you know, that he's like, you know, these are all the things you, you, know, you need to, you know, pay attention to the role. It's not just about that submission at the end, you know. And so that really, um, I think that moment really took the pressure off all the, you know, it took my focus off the belts so much. Um, you know, like it, then purple wasn't so stressed anymore. And then when I got it, it wasn't, it wasn't any less sweeter, but it was like, it wasn't like this thing I'd been like so focused on. Like it, I, you know, I took it as my next step, um, you know, and it was way better. But I remember just him saying, you know, reminding me to focus on the other parts of the role and not just that tap at the end. Um, so, you know, just, and especially for your own, your own, you know, your own gain and progression, because jujitsu is a practical art. And, you know, each, each time we roll with someone, it's going to be different. It's never the same role. It's always, you know, uh, in essence, unless you keep doing the same thing, of course. But most people, you know, if something happens when they do this, they're going to try to adjust it. And it ends up being a new game and you got to find a new way to do your move. So when you train with your partner, you know, and you're, you know, you're going for these moves back and forth and, and each time they adjust, each time they, they start and you're going to have to find new ways to, to hit that, that same, that same technique, you know, keep in mind, like, like you said, all the positives, like, were you able to hold a grip longer? Were you able to break away and escape for something? You know, did you keep them from passing? Um, and that all goes back again, too, to making sure, uh, you know, you have a plan or like intention with each time you train, like, don't just go in. Um, there's nothing wrong with just going in and, and, and getting your sweat on if that's the point. But if your point is to get better at jujitsu, then go in with purpose, go in with intent to, you know, better yourself in whatever area it, uh, it may be. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid again to write notes, ask questions. Um, that's also important is, you know, making sure you have an instructor that, you know, you're able to communicate with and, you know, that, that answers your problems and doesn't just leave you to your own devices. But you should also take that um, upon your own shoulders as well to seek out information um, elsewhere. Not saying go to another gym and whatnot, but, you know, don't get lost in it. But look at magazines, YouTubes, DVDs, whatever the, the media may be. Uh, you know, meet up at open mats. Discuss jujitsu with some of the other, you know, students or friends you make in the gym. Um, you know, try out new moves. Like the jujitsu isn't isn't stagnant. It's not. It's forever evolving. And the only reason, you know, the only thing keeping you from inventing a move is just, you know, stumbling across it and finding a position that you know. There's no wrong way to do anything. If you can find a way to do it and you make it work, then there's your position. And then if it's good enough that you're able to share with someone, you know, you can even further validate it. But um, those are the at least the the most of the topic I wanted to get across with uh, the, like I said, the way people carry themselves inside the gym 
and as far as just keeping each one, you know, keeping everybody safe and remembering that, you know, there, there wouldn't be, you know, if you don't have people being looking out for your best interests, which, uh, which brings you back one last, one last story. Um, and this one was more recent, but I visited a gym and this one, my girlfriend witnessed and she was like, that looked cool. And what had happened was I was rolling with this guy and he was a brown belt and uh, big dude, at least I would say, you know, six foot, whatever. And again, a good 20, 30 pounds heavier than me. And I remember when, you know, I'm just visiting. This is like an open mat. It's not even a class. And I asked him if he wants to roll. And most people, um, you know, depending on, I, I was starting on my knees with everyone, but I had happened to walk over to, you know, roll with this guy. And so uh, we shook hands and I was like, oh, I guess we're going from the feet. And my intent was fully to sit down and pull guard if he didn't do it first. But he flew at me with the fastest guard jump, close guard. And it took every, like, I don't know, cat-like reflex for me to hop up and just jump high enough, like barely jump, you know what I mean? Just pop up just enough for my feet not to get locked into the mat and him blast my knees backwards because his butt, you know, is hitting my thigh and it's blowing my knees backwards. And so I jump up and I get my feet under me and land on my knees and we just continue to roll. And after the roll, she was like, that looked cool. And I was like, no, let me show you what that does when it goes wrong. And she saw the video and she's like, why, why did he do that? And I was like, I have no idea. Like that is, you know, it's, that's not something you do. Uh, you know, you can practice that in a competition setting, totally cool, like when you're getting ready for stuff. But during an open mat, when you have a guest and, you know, like just no warning, you're going to fly and guard jump like that when you're that big, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, that just seems, it just seems like I'm not like for me, I'm only like, I'm five, five. I am not going to go find someone who's, you know, under five foot tall and jump close guard on them. Like, like I'm not, you know what I mean? Like if you put, it's just weird how, you know, that's, you know, I guess maybe it's like, when you're a visitor, they the people feel you're like you're invincible, or like you know what I mean. If you're, I don't know, like if you're a, a famous black belt by any means, you know you're you have some, you know, man, I still hurt. I still if you prick us, do we not bleed? And so you know, a lot of my, you know, I would say my longevity in jujitsu and being able to train and have is being wise about my partners. You know, look out to roll with people who have like intentions and not anyone. You know, I've rolled with people who have caused injury, and it's like I've learned to, you know stop rolls now let you it's like hey that's enough like you know i've had to uh i remember one time i got the chance to roll with terry sokaju and uh when i was in san diego and i remember i just got done teaching my class and i was just sitting there listening to the fighters talk and we're all on the mat together and he looked like he wanted to train and so when he looked over at me i was like oh do you want to roll and he was like yeah so he jumped into my clothes guard we shook hands he immediately jumped up and did a front flip with my legs still locked around his waist. And as soon as we landed back on the ground again, I was just so like, what the, what was that? Like I was, just, and luckily I tilted my neck at the right time so I didn't like, you know, snap my neck backwards. But it was like, what was that? And so as soon as we landed back, I just let go and shook his hand like, hey, I'm done. Sorry, dude. Like, I can't, like, what was, like, I don't, if you don't know who he is, that's a big man. That's a pride fighter. I am not, like I said, I am not anyone like what, what about my size said that was a good idea to be your first move. So, uh, wrapping up this podcast, um, for this episode and thank you for tuning in. 
and again, if you have any um, ideas or requests for some podcast topics, uh, feel free to hit me up. My Instagram is at the Fowler Effect and Facebook at Michael Fowler. Thank you again for tuning in, and this has been The Fowler Effect.